goal there. I think they are still playing in the game at Villa Park. Aston Villa and Sheffield Wednesdays. There's still some hope for home supporters, fake brothers. There is. The, oh, just as the final whistle goes, there's not, Jeff. I actually get to host a show after Wednesday wins on this week's edition of Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and tonight I am drinking a Woods and Waters IPA from the Maine Beer Company. They brewed this special IPA to commemorate the establishment of the Katahdin, I think that's how I'm, Katahdin? Katahdin, Woods and Waters National Monument. Incorporated Maine grown barley and wheat, along with generous amounts of hops with flavors and aromas of pine and citrus, reminiscent of the outdoors. Cheers to Mother Nature and all she provides us. It's actually a very pleasant, uh, not really New England style IPA. Well balanced. Mm. Hoppy, but not overly so. I generally like Maine beer companies' IPAs. They're, uh, very, very drinkable, I find, when you can actually find them. And this was a new one in one of my four local liquor stores when I was out looking for Jerry Thomas bitters early tonight. This is a very long intro to the show where we're only covering one match. So you get my full sort of alcohol rundown from the evening. We have a new member of the squad this week in our American spot. You may remember him from a How I Became a Wednesday Night segment last year. And it's Tommy Burns from South Carolina. Tommy, what are you drinking? And can you briefly remind our audience who the heck you are? Well, I'm uh, Palmetto Owls on uh, Twitter. And uh, I am uh, a Wednesday via a guy that I met when I was living in Abu Dhabi. He was a Wednesday night. Loved the passion. Became a fan immediately. So, uh... Right now, I'm drinking a uh, Dogfish Head Flesh and Blood IPA um, because it's still uh, 85 degrees here in Charleston, South Carolina. That's a cracking start, by the way, Tommy, because one of my favorite beers is uh, Dogfish Head Flesh and Blood, especially on draft, too, if you can find it on draft anywhere. I tell you, Dogfish Head doesn't make a bad beer. No, I don't. I'm, like, wearing a heavy sweater because it's, like, 50 degrees in Connecticut. But I'm still drinking an IPA because it's quite nice. Also on the line, as you can tell, is Patty Jones. Patty, are you also drinking an IPA tonight? I'm not, Jeff, actually. I've got a uh, dry hopped session lager from Carton Brewing, which is uh, a New Jersey brewery. And is, it is, is this the, the sit down sun or whatever it is? <laughs> this is the sit down sun, the most Yorkshire name of a beer I could ever think of, which actually had a great story, which Paul told us last, uh, last night over WhatsApp. So uh, I'll briefly tell you and it's basically uh the kind of rival brewery uh, of carton i can't remember what the name of the brewery was uh launched a kind of uh beer called yacht after they had a beer called boat it was supposed to be like a kind of challenger to the crown of this boat beer um so in response to that carton brewed another beer which is very similar to that but better and just call it sit down son which I think is a great rebuttal for any kind of uh, rivalry between breweries. So sit down some by Carton Brewery. It's very good, very kind of light, um, slightly smoked kind of uh, session lager. Also on the line is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? 
can we just talk about beers tonight? That's this, fine. Um, I feel like I mean, there's yeah, already like... a Wednesday adjacent podcast that does that, but go ahead. Well, um, plus five, it's not like much happened over the weekend if you're a Wednesday night, is it? Um, I'm, I'm having a uh, podcast first night, Jeff. Uh, I'm actually drinking the same beer as I drank last week, simply because I've uh, I've had a busy week and I haven't had a chance to replenish the beer fridge. So I'm, I'm still on the Feather Shark from Fifth Hammer. But um, in homage to Tommy, uh, I'm drinking it out of a uh, Dogfish Head glass, which um, I've uh, I've had for about five years after pinching from their uh, their craft brewery in Delaware. So um, same beer, different glass, and um, same old Wednesday, uh, Feather Shark. Um, not consistent at all. Just to be clear, did you steal this glass? Uh, sorry, borrowed. Uh, I've, I've got it on loan. Uh, I, I do owe it back to Dogfish Head. So if you're listening, Dogfish Head, uh, look, look out for it uh, sometime yeah. in a few years' time. In peace. So that's better than my glass and drink it out today, James, because I've got a, a glass which says wifey written on it. Seeing as I am running out of clean glasses in my fridge. That's okay. I'm drinking out of a uh, New York Mets 2015 National League Champions pint glass. Sounds good. Better than wifey. Well, being the southerner that I am, I'm just drinking out of the can. Yeah. I would drink it out of the bottle, but it's like, it's a 16.9 and it's kind of awkward to like sip out of. Well, that, yeah, that's quite hefty, isn't it? Mm. Um, Paddy, just just out of interest, since your glass says, glass says wifey, does that mean it's owned by somebody by the name of wifey? Or do you actually refer to your glass as your wife? <laughs> it's one of those horrible kind of like uh, wedding present gifts mm. you get that you only open three years later. Uh, because you're running out of glasses. So I've got a hubby <laughs> and a wifey one. And lots of apologies if you're listening to this podcast and you bought this gift, but we've never really liked being called hubby and wifey. So Look, much like Sheffield Wednesday this past weekend, it does the job. Gets exactly. it done. We will get to the Villa game in a second. Four wins from six for Sheffield Wednesday. It doesn't sound quite as good as unbeaten in six, but we work with what we're given. We'll review that game. They will chat with Ben from the New York Villains about the aforementioned game some more and the American Villa group outing in New York City recently. There's six meetups last week, so we'll talk a little bit about the goings-on across the country from our various Owls Americas groups. We'll cover our Wednesday news, we'll preview the Leeds game and another massive day of meetups ahead. But we do start with the previous... Saturday, a 2-1 win against Villa, and we start with a return to five at the back, three center backs, slightly different alignment this week, James. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, look, to be fair to Yoss, I think after the uh, the performance in midweek against Forrest, it was it was clear that we needed to certainly shake up the way we were playing, but he, he showed up the formation a little bit as well. Um, <clears throat> obviously, um, Matt Penny... And Ash Baker as the uh, as the wing backs, but we uh, we slipped back into into a back three, which just seemed to give us a, a degree, greater degree of solidity. And um, Michael Hector coming in, I thought, was a really commanding presence in the back line. Um, I particularly like the way that he was he was like so it was interesting. I think Lee Bullen wrote something on Twitter, which was unusually candid about the the way that we were flexing between a flat four and a and a three five. To when, just depending on how Villa were stacking the attack, so when they were two up front, we were uh, we were dropping in 
um into the the, the kind of the, the the lighter model and then um when they went three up front we were we were putting uh we were putting four at the back and it, it just seemed to, to seem to work you know hector worked between the defensive midfield role protecting the defense and then dropping back into center back almost what we always assumed um sam hutchinson would do um and just just held the line far far better than we've seen the majority of the season one of the best defensive performances that we've uh we've put together really um very uh very much more solid than i think we've got used to recently so is this going to be the uh, defensive formation going forward, do you think, Patty? Because it was effective outside of one sort of worldy via shin. Uh, yeah, I mean, like maybe if Thornley comes back, he might uh, eke out uh, Pudel. But Pudel had a solid game too, so he's made a, a kind of shout for that position as well. If we're going five at the back, I think it's possibly um, our best options right now with Van Aken out. Hector, like you said, James was fantastic at the back. And the white, the wing-backs gave us a real threat going forward, especially, obviously, Matt Penny on the left. I'm sure we'll talk about later on. But he looked um, fantastic driving forward a bit further up the pitch than he usually does. Um, Baker, I'm still not sold on Baker. I was saying to James at the weekend while watching the game, he looks slow to me, but people tell me he's not. He's, he's quite quick. He looks he looked slow on Saturday. Whether he was up against, um, up against Adoma, wasn't it, for most of the game, but still... Um, I think to be fair, he, he, he looked a bit, little bit slower when Balassi came on, but then that guy's uh, that guy's lightning. I mean, Villa are incredibly fortunate to have pace like that on the bench. But um, I saw him live earlier in the season um, at Brentford, and you know he, he he does he both puts the shift in, and I, I think gets quite a bit of pace up. I'm not, I'm not sure that pace is the issue, but um, you know maybe it's positioning a little bit. But he, he there's a little bit of a learning experience going on there. But I thought he had a good game on Saturday. Um, but I, I want to echo what you're saying about Daniel Padil because um, I wasn't necessarily super impressed with him earlier in the season and when he came on against Forest in midweek it was, it was almost kind of like uh, you know, may, maybe Padil has, has kind of flattered to deceive since he got his new contract because he was great towards the back end of last season um, the game on Saturday against Villa he was right back to those standards that we saw sort of from the Bramall Lane derby match um, away last season onwards uh, where he really kind of came into his own as a leader and, and held the line together well I thought he was excellent in that kind of left-sided centre-back role I think it's been a uh, Pudiel doesn't really have the pace to play out on the wing anymore but he can still be a little bit better with the the ball at his feet which seems to be how they want to play he'll still kind of occasionally wander upfield and I think he's effective doing that more so than uh Thornalier Lees would be. But I think the biggest thing he really allows is just defensive cover for Penny, who's still kind of feeling his way, you know, into first team football in the championship. Uh, it, it allows Penny, Penny, I think, to be a little more aggressive, to freelance a little more, you know, knowing he has not only three center backs behind him, but a you know a veteran like you know a canny veteran like Pudiel covering for him as well, and also allows them, especially a team like Villa, which certainly had pace on the wing to uh you know double down on double team guys trying to make runs into the corner there and what balls in though for all that uh action in the first half and there was some although it was a bit of a game of fits and starts uh due to fouls nobody could quite get the amount of uh clinicalness in the final third to get a goal you know how would you sort of sum up the first half tommy uh the first half i thought was uh um by Aston Villa, I thought that they came out physically. Uh, there were three, I think it was three or four times that uh, Jedinak, I don't know if that's how you say his name, but 
he was he was spoken to by the referee three or four times. And once right at the 44th, he should have gotten a card. It was it, right at the end of it. He just, and I mean, it was a, it was a scissors tackle and he, you know, he, you know, just kind of ran off and, and the referee just brought him back and talked to him again. And I thought it, at first it was because of that, then they had to back off a little bit in the second half. But in the first half, they were kind of eating our lunch just by, it, it was almost men against boys. I mean, we've got a pretty young squad and the, uh, the, 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 the physicality that Aston showed was fairly impressive. They've got a lot more experience back there, haven't they? And, and you'll hear later on from Ben and uh, the Villa, in the Villa uh, New York team, that what, what they're having experienced, they're going to lack uh, in kind of mobility. <laughs> and I think what you're, what, you're, what you're kind of getting at there is that later in the second half, that lack of mobility kind of showed. And Jaden Knack was playing out of position. He was, he's, he's a bit of a thug. I mean, we had a Kiwi watching with us, uh, our friend Craig in the New York Owls. And uh, he warned us about this guy because he's an Aussie, uh, Jedinak, uh, being a bit of a thug. And you were right, he should have probably got sent off by the end of the game because he has a few testy little tackles, a few little nudges here in the back. And uh, yeah, he deserved his yellow card too. Yeah, one of the one of the other uh, one of the other Palmetto Owls there with me was wondering if he was confused on whether this was Aussie rules or if we were actually playing footy. It's <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a thug. Leave it to the Aussies. <laughs> so no no at the half cagey game i think all in all both teams had opportunities that never really created clear-cut chances um you know fletcher probably had the best opportunity on a free header matthias had a look as well and then second half james it got very very open well you know what i thought it was quite open before that i mean it it was it was it was kind of like watching two teams that up to this point in the season have have kind of known how to attack and not been entirely sure how to defend. Um, and then to the points that were just raised, you know, Wednesday kind of upped their game a little bit on the defence um, this week, and Villa was still playing with uh, with a wonky Australian as a as a makeshift centre back. So it was a fairly open game already, kind of end to end. But you know, after half time, that that kind of just it was like it was like watching a pendulum, right? You know, kind of they ranged up field and and really started turning the screw. We went up the other way, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it just really opened the game up. And, and actually, I thought it was a really enjoyable game of football to watch. You know, two two teams playing pretty well, not necessarily perfectly, but um, but you know, having to go to each other, it was it was it was entertaining football leading up to to when the uh, the goal started going in. Well, I think that's been Wednesday's. Uh... Wednesday's M.O. for the past two years, hasn't it? We know how to attack, but we really don't know how to defend. <laughs> well, the first year of Carlos, we were pretty good at defending. But um, like I said, after that, you got a bit kind of shoddy. Um, so I think it's good to see is that kind of that kind of free-flowing um, football back. Cause we've got players that we, we know can do it. Um, and if, when Jos first turned up, we didn't think that would be the case. But we're starting to see now. That that is in his kind of style, and people were questioning last last week about after the Forest game, what is our style? Do we know what we're playing? I think our style is this kind of compact, um, quite neat and tidy, short passing, um, fast movement of the ball. I think this will be our style that we saw against Villa more and more throughout the season, um, playing out from the back like he enjoys, which doesn't really. Fills of confidence, but still he, he, he keeps persevering with it. Uh, but he saw it work on, uh, on on Saturday, and I think 
we are developing a style. And I think he said after the game, I think um, it was Matthias that said after the game, that they, they really do think that they can get better and really do think that they've got a great team in this squad. Oh, absolutely. And I think that Penny coming out of the back and playing playing more of a wing back than than and being able to make those moves up front, I think that that's that's a that was brilliant by Joss. He was throwing some skills out there, wasn't he, on Saturday? He was like through little uh, nutmegs, little kind of back heels. He was putting all the tricks out there. It was fantastic to watch. I think it's the interesting thing about him too. Obviously, he's got a lot of pace and he's very good with the ball at his feet. But he's only twenty, and he's already like I could see him growing into sort of like an Adam Reach type frame, and in the next couple of years, sort of add that physicality too that would just make him sort of a complete. Uh, you know, high-level championship, if not premier quality, fullback. I think they're very similar, actually. I think you, you nailed it there. I think Reach and him, uh, the way they run is very similar, that kind of upright kind of uh, head-up kind of run. Um, and the way they kind of harass people on the ball, uh, with the ball at the feet, I think they're very similar players. But I think that Penny's got a better, better kind of uh, handle of defence than Reach ever has. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I... I... I still think that Reich kind of just he somehow just has a, a kind of greater command of the entire game, um, whereas Penny to me still looks like a left-sided player who can really range down that wing. But that's exactly where we need capability and where we need um, we need a player of his caliber, right? I mean, you know, you compare and contrast that with what we had with his now backup left back in uh, in Morgan Fox on uh, on Wednesday night, and it's it's chalk and cheese, right? I mean, what's Yossi's comment that he's made? Um, I think subsequent to the game, something on the lines that he kind of looks like he's been a, a Premier League player for ten years, uh, or you know he's been playing first team football for ten years. That, that's the weird thing, you know. We're we're less than a third of the way into the season, and Matt Penny looks like he's an absolutely established member of the team, and it it. it it, it's so gratifying to see when you think back and, and you think of some conversations we had about the youth teams probably 12, 18 months ago and people were saying, you know, that Matt Penny looks like he's probably a player. He might cut it. But there was really, you know, there was no see, no ceiling for him to break through to kind of get into the first team squad. Carlos knew his players. And, and he's been given his head by Yoss and he's grasped it yeah, certainly more than I think anyone else in, in the squad. And that's, that's brilliant to see. Um, he, he was tremendous on Saturday, no doubt. I would feel better if he had a contract for past this season. I think it's giving Wednesday fans a lot of palpitations, right? Because you, <laughs> you, you know, you the the simple equation is you put in a performance against Villa and you end up at Hard of Midlothian. So um, <laughs> oh, hopefully, hopefully, still uh, top of the Scottish Premiership. Not, parts of not where he goes to, but you five know, points clear at the time, right? If he puts in those those performances, his head could be turned by clubs that start, you know, putting a little cheeky bid in in January. So. I'm absolutely certain that Wednesday have put a contract in front of Matt Penny. Um, We'd be idiotic not to have done. Um, But he's probably quite reasonably considering his options right now. But I I dearly hope that where others perhaps have thought a long way ahead in their career, he can see that, you know, he that left back berth is now his to make his own. Um, and he, you know, if he signs that contract, he, he can be a first team regular in the championship with a club that's on not necessarily the verge of promotion, but certainly it should be <laughs> in and around the hunt. I'm, you know, I'm not that optimistic. You know that. Um, you know he's he he should be a starting left back in the championship and, and a chance to really build his career. So you know, get that contract signed, Matt Penny. If if you're going to prove your worth, you'll still have the 10, 15 million pound contract ahead of you, um, and uh, and all the options possible. So I really dearly hope that we get that tied up sooner rather than later. Well, I really think that uh, um, this is one of Joss's strengths. Is uh, pulling from the academy because i mean he had two guys 
on the bench, Kirby and Preston, who are both, you know, one Kirby's what, 20 years old and Preston's, I think 19, I think he's still a teenager and he's developing that talent. It's, that's it's coming up. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that James used the F word. I'm surprised that Morgan Fox was even on the bench. <laughs> it's, uh, I think um, Yoss is kind of had to turn to the uh, youth. So it's a good job that it's, uh, it's worked out well for him. Otherwise, it could have been a disaster um, with, no, with the FFB embargo. But it does seem to, I mean, you looked at, um, there's a picture going around after the game on Saturday with uh, his kind of arm around Matt Penny. Um, and it, it does seem to have built those relationships with the youngers, younguns much better than Carlos ever did. So uh, that can only be a good thing for us. And to be fair, no one that has come up even in, you know, Preston obviously hasn't gotten a huge run out, Curry haven't gotten a huge run out. But when they've gotten time on the pitch, they've looked not horribly out of place. Uh, Preston I, thought did really well. I, th- I yeah. think Kirby looked a little bit um, uh, out of his depth against Sunderland in the Cup. But I mean, that was, it was I think he, I think he might be younger than Preston. I think he might be eighteen, nineteen. He said he looked like twelve years old. Preston <laughs> Kirby. Um, so he'll uh, I, 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 will grow with time. I mean, yeah. uh, he was thrown in the deep end, and uh, let's see how he does in the next few games he, he plays. We haven't even talked about goals yet, by the way, guys. I know we're getting there. We're getting there. And we'll... <laughs> We'll start with uh, Matthias, which was a lovely little uh, goal and nice work by Reach after he had his uh, cross blocked off to stay with it and sort of tap it into the into the run of Matthias and just you know that's a very classy finish in the bottom corner. It kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Ross Wallace's goal against uh, against Arsenal in the cup. Yeah, that was kind of a grass cut a little bit, I suppose it kind of shimmed across and buried in the bottom corner. I want to talk about how this goal came about too because Matthias wins the ball uh, in in like the slightly into the opposition half and makes the goal in the first place and he did that a lot that game and both him and Fletcher was doing it quite a lot and obviously we've spoken about this in the past podcast too where uh, Jos wants his forwards to come back and really give that a high press kind of uh, on people on the ball in midfield and I thought Matthias and Fletcher did it perfectly on Saturday because they pressed people but they didn't get out of position too much Whereas we spoke about the new who being found the left back and Joao being on the kind of right wing and so on and so forth, not really being where we want them to be when we got a cross going to the box. These two were back and forth from their uh, strike position back to midfield, strike position back to midfield, chasing people down. And that was, in my idea, what Jos wants his forwards to do. And they executed it perfectly. So he won the ball in, in their half. A few of the passes knock around. Reach gets it across to him and he just buries it in the bottom corner. So fantastic goal, I think. I mean, I think Matthias is better suited in sort of that number 10 role. I know we've sort of played him all over the pitch. You know, he's starting out as like on the wing in a 4-3-3 in his early games in the Carlos era. You know, he's played right wing. He's played up front as a striker. I think sort of as a as a second striker for someone like Fletcher is actually a pretty good pairing. I thought they worked really well together. Yeah, I thought, that, I thought Fletcher won the balls really well. Um, they didn't see much interaction between them, but positioning-wise, they seemed to not really overrun each other, seemed to know where each other were, uh, and they provided a good outlet the entire game. So, Can, can, can we say something about Fletcher? Because, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've kind of literally banged on about this for the last few weeks, and I, I realise it's a fairly simple point, but my, my problem with starting new here is that I don't feel that he stretches the game enough. I don't think he kind of moves the opposition defence around enough, and Fletcher did exactly that 
to Villa on Saturday. And I, I, th- I thought that gave us a series of outlets and it created more space for Matthias, for Reach. Um, just kind of just opened up those gaps that they could exploit. And, and actually the first goal, you know, arguably came about um, in, in that type of vein because, the, you know, the Villa defence was fairly makeshift anyway, but they were being pulled out of position, you know, one attack after another. And it, it just gave us the space for players with pace like Reach to run into. And I thought that made a real difference. I just wish that Fletcher was a little bit more clinical because he's, this has been, I actually looked at his scoring record and it's not as bad as I sort of thought in my head as a Wednesday night, but for like, for the wages that he's being paid and sort of the expectation of the performance at this level for a player like Fletcher, you'd like him just to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal. I know he eventually fair, he mean, gets the winner here. He, it was a nice header. He scored on his fourth attempt. I mean, you know, that was that was okay. I, we'd all been screaming, haven't we? Because, I mean, he'd had that one header, which was kind of absolutely clear-cut, and somehow he managed to kind of muller it about 10 yards past the goal. And then there was he was kind of through, and he took he took it too early. He just needed to take a touch and then slot it in the corner. Um, he got tackled last ditch. But... I, I still don't think we're seeing the best of him. I mean, I'm 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 kind of holding out this this hope that you know he's it's still like kind of. <laughs> I mean, in terms of match fitness, yeah. not in terms of his, his peak of his career. But you know what? What I love about Fletcher is you kind of have that sense that okay, keep keep putting him in those situations because he's going to put one away. You remember? He's like, not a he's not a confidence player. He just always has confidence. He, he just he just has a certain amount of class about him, right? I mean, he, the season we got to the playoffs and we we screwed it up against Huddersfield. Just the number of goals that Stephen Fletcher scored in that season, where he was just, you know, he just basically just got on the end of something and did exactly what he needed to do. And I know he maybe had a ton of chances to get there. I know maybe his xG is much lower than it should be, but um, I've just kind of got that confidence that come at the moment he'll he'll deliver. Um, and he did on Saturday, you know, and uh, and delivered us a victory that we, you know, I think we deserved. But it, it, he was there at that right moment when that, that ball was swung over by one Joey Palapesi, Paddy. Well, he always put himself in the right position to to, to take the shot. And why he, he might only make one of four like he did. <laughs> he uh, it's it's. He, he's always in the position to make the shot. He's always putting himself in a place where he's it, it's 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 his field vision is ridiculous. Uh, and, and I think I think uh, I have no idea why Fletcher wouldn't be up front. And I know that a lot of people are going to be upset about this, but knew you should be riding the bench now because ever since he signed his contract, he hasn't really done much for us. No, you're right. I think um, I don't think any people would really disagree with you. I think even the staunchest New Who fans would say that Fletcher deserves his starting spot, um, and I think we'll see that. And I don't think Yoss is going to change the team at all for Leeds. Um, I think he'll keep it as is. Um, I want to uh, kind of give it a mission that Joe Pellebesi had a good game <laughs> on Saturday. Because I know for the past so many weeks I've been saying I don't see the point in him. Uh, I don't see what he does. Uh, I had James next to me at the game on Saturday and he was pointing out what he did to me. <laughs> he's like, this is why Joe Pelopas is a good football player. And I was like, oh, I suppose he's playing well today. And I don't know whether it was the system. I don't know whether it was um, the fact. I saw the kind of gaps that Anoma left when he was playing the other week. Him not being on the pitch... He just made things tick, I thought, pretty well on Saturday. Now, it was a great team performance, not going to take anything away, but 
I think he did thing, the simple things very well. And he's got a great delivery. As you saw for Fletcher's goal, it was a great ball in. Uh, he takes a good corner, takes a good free kick when Bannon lets him. Um, overall, I'm starting to see what you see in him, James. I mean, I think he's fine. Like he's like a perfectly acceptable championship level player. I would prefer someone a little more, I don't know. Dynamic. Yeah, dynamic's a good word in that sort of center mid role, but I kind of and that's why I, I think that's why I think I like to know him when he came on. But uh, maybe I think he was I think he was a good but, but this, a good matchup I'm, I'm, for look, this I'm, particular I'm, game. I'm, this I'm particular gonna team. I'm gonna stick my neck out here and say I've figured it out. It's not that complicated. What Joey Pelopis is there in the team to do is to give the ball to Barry Bannon and occasionally Stephen Fletcher. That's it. <laughs> that's that's all he has to do. Because actually, if you, if you watched him on Saturday, what? Just every time you know, Pessy picked. I'm going to keep on calling him Pessy. I don't know why. It's a weird weird name for a player, right? Joey Pelopessi. No, that doesn't work either. Every time Joey yeah. picked up the ball in midfield, all he did was basically pass it, lay it off about two yards to Barry Bannon, and then Barry Bannon orchestrated the game the way that Barry Bannon does, and he and he did it magnificently on Saturday again. Um, but you know, it, it, it's those simple things that just kind of keeps the team ticking over, right? Um, he doesn't stretch the game in a way that an omer will do um he isn't going to be the rangy forward that kind of excites us and give us that dynamicism but you put him at the base of a midfield just to kind of just keep on sp- spreading the ball into the players like bannon who can then do the worldies um or just once in a while put in a ball like he did for fletcher and it you know it was great on the turn the way he just swizzled and, and got that cross into him um then i think he's he's justifying his place in the team provided he can also do the defensive work that's expected of him and then it creates the option of having an anoma and a bannon ahead of him now that's a pretty exciting midfield um i'd reach uh i'd um you know um matt penny to that and you've got you've got a number of outlets right so i i personally think he's he's sort of like a foundational block that you need in the team Aren't you literally just describing Dave Jones? Uh, <laughs> no, we, we, what Dave Jones should have been. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I don't know because uh, I, I think it was the about the sixth minute he had a pass up the line to Adam Reach, which was ridiculous, and it almost started out within within six seven minutes that we were going to be up one nil because Adam Reach had a, a he had a beautiful touch off of it and and. I think Matthias missed the uh, missed the run to the middle, but um, it was it was the pass itself was brilliant. I hit hit reach right on the run, and it, it. I know everybody in the bar that I was in was jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> to say something about the Wednesday season, where we're jumping up and down for a nice pass down the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was uh, it, it was reach crossed it and uh, uh, their defense, which was hit and miss all day. They uh, um, they actually cleared that ball and it was a, it was it was it was good defense, but it was a brilliant pass right down the right down the right side. And I really thought we were going to go up one nil right after right after that reach reach turn a corner and and put it across the box, and it was. I mean, I thought the pass from from Pelopesi was brilliant. Yeah, it's a great pass to the ball. I think um, I think if he, if he plays in that role, then I think he's better with the five at the back. I think if he's asked to do too much defending, then he kind of comes unstuck and he looks a little bit kind of lost. 
I think on Saturday we saw him be a bit more of a central midfielder rather than defensive midfielder and linking those plays together. And I think that suited his style of play better than what we've been playing him in. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, Yoss has got him exactly where he needs to be right now. So if this is the formation and roughly the first choice 11 we're going to see going forward, who do you think the key player is sort of to unlock the success in the rest of the season, James? Uh, Fernando Forestieri, who uh, <laughs> who finished a three-match ban uh, at, during the Villa game. Um, I don't know. You know what? It, it, when we turn in performances like we did on Saturday, I, I kind of don't remember that we're missing Fessy. It, it's really weird, you know, and it was the same last season, right, when, when he was long-term injured and we, we went to Villa Park and we put that, that kind of one masterful... Carvajal performance together in the last six months of no masterful Carvajal performances. Um, when this squad clicks and when it plays, it's not about one individual. It's about the team playing as a unit. And, and if we could just do that two games out of every three, then that that would transform our season. It really would. I don't, I don't think it is about one individual. I think about his. I think it's about a set of players finding a style and finding a way of playing that they can. Re- reproduce on a regular basis because we you know we joke about the inconsistency but that's what killed us we we I have still to think find though, a way over that that you need that that match winner because there'll be some games where you know like the forest game at midweek where you're just not getting that great team performance you need just someone to create something out of nothing and i don't know that without forestieri in that lot in the lineup that wednesday has that player I think we have, I mean, Barry Bannon is an obvious choice. And Not I think a goal Adam... scorer, though. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, Reach can be, but he's not the 20-goal season person you need. We haven't got, I don't think we've got a 20-goal season guy, if that's, what you're, if that's what you're angling at. Not um, even that, but just someone that can, not necessarily that sort of like, you know, day uh, week in and week out, number nine striker, but just someone that can win a match whether it's with a goal or a key pass or... Well, that's what Forestieri does, right? So yeah, if, yeah. We keep, if we're saying that we... We'll talk about this later on, I think. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I think if we introduce Forestieri into this lineup right now, uh, after a, a great win like we had on Saturday, then I think we're sending the wrong message to the people on the pitch on Saturday. I think if you put Forestieri on the bench, which I think you will, and introduce him with 20 minutes left, um, then I think that's fine. Um, especially if we're kind of drawing or we're losing, we need to get some kind of oomph into the team. Forestieri is great at doing that. Um, and I think um, that for the short term, Jos will deploy him in that way. I think he, I think he prefers um, his current set of players. And as we saw before Forestieri got banned, he was kind of a more of a cameo person rather than a starter. Well, and I mean, Jeff, the, the person you just described there was, was Daniel Poodle. I mean, with that back heel off the line, he can keep on the back line the entire time. But, you know, actually, I'll actually go in a different direction. Uh, not different direction, same direction, different player. Uh, Tom Lees has looked better, but I think he's going to be the key. Like, eventually this team's going to need to have to keep some clean sheets. They're going to have to win some games 1-0. Uh, the defense has been a problem, and whether it's, you know... Uh, you, know, you have a young goalkeeper that's not organizing the back line as well as you'd like, and no one in the back line itself really taking responsibility, which you know you would likely is to do as, as as skipper. I just somebody in that back line, whether it's 
Hector or Lees or Pudil or, or Thornley when he's fully fit again has to really take that back line, back three, back five, whatever ends up being, by the scruff of its neck and just... Like, I just keep thinking back to the performance that Pudil put in last year uh, at Bramall Lane. You know, a game that by no rights Wednesday should have gotten a point out of, but just by sheer force of will, Pudil basically, you know, made the last-ditch tackles, marshaled the back line time and time again. And just, they need that kind of, like... And that was sort of like Yasu's reputation when he came in as sort of like, you know, an organizer. You know, a, a, a steely tactician. And we haven't really seen that um, so far in his tenure. And this is really the first extended look we've had at him with a fully fit squad. So I don't, I think it's sort of like, you know, Patty said earlier in the show, it's still sort of finding, finding its way and starting to sort of like, you know, maybe we'll see the same 11 out there and they're starting to learn how to play with each other. You know, the, the youth team guys that have come in. I just... But can we call ourselves fully fit if Almon Abdi isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <sighs> Anyone know what's up with Sam Wennell? As long as we're doing it. Yeah. Broken mm. Mm. Kieran Lee, too. Still out. Very disappointing. That's the guy I like. That I think would really make a difference. But that's not going to happen, apparently. I was watching, yeah. I was bored at work today, so I was watching old uh, Wednesday match highlights. So I have a rotation of games I usually go through. Um, and I had forgotten about his goal against Leeds last year, the third one at home. Which was like half volley, sidewinder into the bottom. Uh, that wasn't yeah. that goal all season. How did you forget that? That was an amazing no, it's, goal. It's been like four months and I've had a lot of beer. <laughs> um, in the interim. Which like in like some of the runs he was making, like the goal against uh, Bristol City, where he just pops out into space, drops his shoulder, boom! Like he just it's, makes it look like it's easy. You know, he just he always he always knows where to be. He always knows. You know, I think that's what we're sort of lacking in some of those those forward players that aren't out and out strikers. You know, like Matthias, uh, Zhao, and even uh, Reach is that Lee just always knows where to be. He's just, you just lose track of him. Like, he's just sort of, like, flips in and out, and he's really good at shaking defenders. He's really good at coming and getting the ball, and he's just a very clinical finisher. And it's, like, again, that's kind of, like, the kind of kind of player they need. Even if it's not, if you're not going to get, like, the forestieri grab by the scruff of its neck match winner, you just need the scrappy goal guy, and he's, like, a scrappy goal guy. Well, that's will be fit soon. It's probably not happening. <laughs> All right, we've rambled on long enough about this Villa game. It took us like 20 minutes even to get to the goals. We didn't even talk about them. We briefly talked about the McGinn shin into the top corner. But this is a Wednesday podcast, not an Aston Villa podcast. Well, I'll tell you what. I got I got to say that was a beautiful goal. It was a lovely goal. It was goal. prettier than socks on a rooster. It's. I mean, that was... That was <laughs> a we get some like, local regional color on the show now. <laughs> that's... that's... Yeah, let's um, let's let um, Ben from Villa, New York, tell us why they're associates, which he did for about ten minutes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hi, so we're back on home territory this week. Uh, it's a, an away game for Wednesday at Villa in, uh, in Birmingham, but the New York Owls are back in the football factory on uh, 33rd Street behind the Empire State Building. Uh, we've been watching, though, with uh, Villa NY and, uh, and Ben, who, uh, who helps to coordinate the group. So we thought we'd, uh, we'd have a bit of a post-match reflection. It's uh, just finished Wednesday 2, Villa 1. Obviously, New York Owls are on the up. Villa not quite so happy. Uh, ben, what was your reflection on, uh, on the game you've just seen? Um, pretty much the same reflection I've had on every game this season, um, a tactical shambles. It's like Villa at the moment and basically every game this season have played with tactics akin to Mike Bassett, football manager, the first half of the movie. We've got a dynamic, like, you know, scintillating offense in prospect. I just said offense like an American. Shame on me. Apologies to everybody. That's the first and only time you'll ever hear a Brummy talk about offense in quite a uh, such an American vernacular, unless they come from Alabama. <laughs> oh, they are moving oh so swiftly on. Uh, going forward, we've got just outrageous young talent, and yet we seem to be adamant in playing a system that just cannot possibly accommodate them. And then at the back, we are flimsy at best. We've got Jedanek, who's an aging central midfielder, attempting to do kind of like centre-half stuff and failing miserably for the most part. James Chester can only do so much. Um, El Hamadi isn't particularly good at defending, isn't particularly good at going forward. He just kind of like runs and doesn't do much else. Runs like Linford Christie and crosses like Agatha Christie. Um... And yeah, so it's basically the same thing I've been saying all bloody season. Every cross we put in today um, was caught by your goalkeeper. Um, McKinn scored a wonder strike. Like, it was Tony Yeboah-esque. And that seemed to, like, inject life into the team for, I don't know, 25 seconds, maybe 30. <laughs> and after that, we allowed Wednesday back into the game. And you punished us and murder she wrote. Wow, and, and, you, and you think that Wednesday have got problems. I mean, it's fair to say we've been a little bit flimsy at the back this season as well, and, and frankly, Wednesday were pretty wary coming into the game of, of just the, you know, the incredible talent you have in abundance up front. You know, Kadijah um, with Blassie coming into the team as well, although he was on the bench today. And this, this is one of the things Wednesday nights are struggling to work out. When you've got talent like that and you can't accommodate it in the side, it seems kind of eyebrow-raising. Even more inexplicable, Albert Adoma, Steve Bruce was seemingly doing everything in his power to offload him, um, couldn't, and rather than let him fester on the bench and play players that actually want to play for us and can really make a difference in the game, he starts him and uh, proceeds to do absolutely sod all. Um, Balassi comes in with like 13 minutes left, and by then we were just in such terrible disrepair there was no real hope of pulling anything together uh, so incredibly frustrating I mean I feel bad for Tammy Abraham his previous stint on loan in the championship at Swansea I believe he netted goals for fun and when presented with opportunities to do so he will do but we had nothing going forward um, Jack Grealish put in another sub-par performance and even Villa fans again a little bit peeved with his rolling around on the ground um, I'm like, mate, if it hurts that much, put on a proper pair of shin pads. <laughs> ben, so you say you've got his massive like, amount of attacking options. Did Bruce sign these or did he get inherited some of them? Because I mean, it's not really Bruce's style to go for like five in attack. Or these, I mean, he's got like, some amazing like, pacey strikers and pacey wingers. But Bruce doesn't know how to use them. So what, what happened? Uh, very good question, mate. The recent influx of talent, of course, Bruce's. Um, but for him to like bring in the likes of Balassi and Tammy Abraham and then decide to offload defenders galore without actually replacing them is, at best, inexplicable. 
Um, we've got some talented young centre-halves in the youth academy, um, none of whom are likely to see the light of day while Bruce is in charge. And so I've been extremely, how should I say, fervent in my support Bruce when all of not all but many of the Villa fans are just disgruntled to the point where they want him gone um, I'm like you got to stick with your manager you got to kind of try and keep some semblance of team bonding together but even my patience is wearing beyond thin so I've got to ask you about that Ben obviously Wednesday have a little bit of history with Steve Bruce um, you know we've uh, we, we go back some let's, uh, let's just say that um, We've gone two seasons now where we've beaten you at Villa Park. Last season, early, earlier in the campaign, in a campaign that turned out pretty well for you, you recovered it, you obviously made it all the way to Wembley and, and came within a goal of, uh, of getting back to the Premier League. That patience is wearing thin. Do you think that Bruce survives? Because the, the vibes around Villa Park aren't positive for him right now. Um, they are not positive. And the new owners, not least considering their like, massive cash injection um, and their essentially have expectations which mirror those of the supporters I think he's now genuinely under scrutiny and if the next three games don't go well he could well find himself on the chopping block our next game I believe is Friday against Bristol City um, which should be an interesting one Uh, but again if there's nothing like nothing short of seven points from our next three games I think is acceptable because what happened last season and the reason we ended up in the playoffs was the slow start. In this division where it's so incredibly physical, it's like old school grassroots football, a sluggish start where you just hemorrhage points to teams you should be beating. Certainly like home games, um, like Brentford for instance, where we had to rely on a last minute equaliser. When you don't do that and then you kind of get beaten up away to teams that you also expect to beat, it's yeah it's not good um i'm trying to i don't know manifest some semblance of kind of positivity here but i really can't find any after today's performance like i say there was a wonder strike for a brilliant equalizer and it was all for naught due to the team just like unfurling afterwards so we'll let you uh, try and put villa's house in order i'm going to put you on the spot and ask you about wednesday now from our perspective we're very much in a season of transition we've uh, we've also been restricted in terms of what we can do under ffp this summer in the market um maybe some players who are coming towards the back end of their career were wednesday and some young players that were blooding from the youth team what, what's your general impression of where wednesday stand relative to villa right now i mean we've beaten you today but you know do you see what do you see as our prospects for the season see i i think you've deservedly beaten us today and like uh, this is the first full game obviously I've seen Wednesday play but there seems to be a pretty decent combination of young talent and grizzled old veterans um like I hear that you had a transfer embargo so if you're able to bring in new players in January I believe is the case um you can complement what's there already I genuinely think Wednesday could be competing for a potential playoff spot certainly based on today's performance it was just like it wasn't pretty but it was highly professional and what I noticed in contrast to the Villa was it was organized everybody seemed to have a strong understanding as you'd expect from a professional footballer of what their job was that what they had to do how that worked in accordance to the players around them the Villa anything but it was like there were so many instances where two Villa players would be hovering over a ball wondering which one's allowed to kick it first by which time that's when the decision's made a Wednesday's defenders already got the ball clear that happened on numerous occasions that to me says quote of Led Zeppelin communication breakdown and that comes down to the manager it's like the designation of duty should be 
transparent for supporters watching their team play and the Villa once again just like bailed rather apocalyptically in that area well, I've got to say, it's probably one of Wednesday's much better performances this season in that department in terms of communication. So it's glad to see that's coming across from an objective third party as opposed to from a bunch of moaning Wednesdayites, which is how, how we normally assess it. Um, talking of the, uh, the importance of organisation and communication, though, I'm going to switch gears for a second and we'll leave today's match behind. Um, you guys had a pretty special weekend in New York last weekend. Um, so we, we weren't down here at the Football Factory last Saturday, but Villa were here not just in numbers from a, uh, from a Villa New York point of view, but from a Villa America's point of view. So we're wondering if you can tell us a little bit about exactly what went on last weekend, and then we're going to ask you a few questions just to try and you know, talk about the, the kind of the movement that is Villa supporters across the US. Right. Well, to encapsulate last weekend in one word, um, it would be shenanigans. Um, Although, the, to be fair, the groundwork was very much in place already. This was the sixth annual gathering of the uh, North America Lions Club. So the Lions Club is Villa's uh, club-recognized supporters group. has been in place since the 1950s, I believe. Um, and so the North America fans, uh, I believe Chicago was the first six years ago. They were like, let's kind of like pick a city around America or vote for a city which should host such an event. Um, we won the vote this year in New York City and who doesn't want to visit New York it's rather awesome as I'm sure you've noticed and so we had this like inundation of Villa fans from far and wide um, all over America Canada um, England Ireland um, Iran apparently I, I didn't actually get to meet them properly but, um, but yeah that was rather impressive uh, it was just this a mass amalgamation of Villa fans from far and wide, and I it, it was it was fairly straightforward in organising it because again the groundwork had been put in place by previous events, but to attract nearly 200 people um, and have us watch a deathly dull draw away to Blackburn, oh my goodness! Like, there was also a a decent goal in that so that was that offered salvation for us Connor Hurahan hit a free kick for a late equaliser but otherwise it was again drab as dishwater and um, a bit of a, a bit of an anti-climax in terms of the build-up of all of these like Villa fans together to be fair though if you support football in the championship you've got to accept that you're going to have a drab draw against Blackburn oh, once, yeah. once in a while I mean you, you fans uh, as, a fan, as a club I guess as a fan base have got the benefit of reasonably recent history in the Premier League probably not as recent as you'd like and you know I know it's your aspiration to get back there um, something Wednesday can only uh, ba barely remember in fact the, the three of us who are stood around the microphone right now literally I think we were still vaguely in nappies when, uh, when Wednesday were last in the Premier League um, you know what, what difference does it make having that Premier League profile in the US and you know how have you found it being a championship club in the US in terms of continuing that, that momentum and building the fan base well it's up until recently um, maintaining and certainly expanding a fan base while being uh, nestled in the championship is something of a challenge although it's been made easier with the access to live games uh, so Villa were one of the teams that opted out of iFollow and went for their own service AVTV although the uh, the, how should I say, reliability factor is somewhat dubious when it comes to streaming quality. Um, but even so, the option is there to watch the games. And, uh, and that definitely helps. Also, us being one of the seven ever-presents in the Premier League up until the season we were relegated, what, two, two and a half, three years ago now, um, that definitely helped to like, reinforce the magnitude of our club. And also, I'd like to think for 
uh, like more optimistic supporters, probably not too many of them after today's performance, we certainly belong in the Premier League, much like Sheffield Wednesday do in fairness, and Leeds United, I know, dirty Leeds, all that kind we'll, of we'll, we'll get to that next week. And to be fair, Wednesday were also ever-present in the Premier League until 1999. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, just, it's just a little bit more long-term past. Yeah. All right, Ben. Um, <clears throat> so, wrapping things up, what are your kind of expectations for the kind of rest of the season for Villa? Do you think you're going to playoffs this year? Um, do you think Bruce will last the entire season? What do you think? I do not think Bruce will last the season. I think if we get the right manager, we, 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 we can and certainly should be competing for a top two finish. At this point, that seems rather outlandish, I will say. Though, um, prospects of a... I mean, a playoff finish is absolute bare-bones minimum. Anything short of that would be like catastrophic it would be blood curdling and spine chilling and all that other awful stuff so it's got to be playoffs playoffs or bust um, with emphasis on pushing for that top two spot fantastic well listen Ben we're going to wish you all the best in a relative sense um, if it comes down to uh, Wednesday or Villa for the last uh, last playoff spot then I guess we're going to get a little bit more uh, uh, more intense in our rivalry towards the end of the season but it's been a pleasure spending today with you um, nice to get one over on you and we'll, uh, we'll see how the return leg at Hillsborough goes but thank you very much for spending time with us today thank, thank you very much um, up the villa but good luck Wednesday <laughs> kind of sort of We already sort of started the Wednesday news segment in the first segment, but just to reiterate, Fernando Forestieri is available for selection for the Leeds game on Friday after serving his three-match ban for violent conduct in the preseason. Paddy's already sort of made his statement that he wouldn't put him straight in. Do the rest of you agree? I'm not so sure. I mean... (laughs) Only because I'm just I'm kind of I've got this thing that Forestieri for some reason wants to get one up on Leeds, um, and I feel like it could kind of mess with Bielsa ball if we uh, if we tossed him straight in just to kind of you know get that Argentina on Argentina uh, effect going. Um, no, I wouldn't put him straight back in. To be honest, I think I I mean why why mess with a, a winning side and a, and a winning uh, approach to the game un, unless there's something that Yoss sees in the tactics that Leeds plays that means he needs needs to change the system. So. I'd largely stick with the players that we've got. I think they they earn the shirts on uh, on Saturday, um, and I think you know Fessy needs to earn his place on the bench. Yes, that's fair. And Yas is you know even previous to the suspension used Forestieri as sort of a super sub, and you know he's very clear about what he wants from his starting eleven, whether it's in games or uh, in the week during training. So. I think that's probably fine. Um, I just worry that we're going to need him to come on and do something in the last 30 minutes if he doesn't start. But uh, it's a difficult matchup overall, which we'll get to in a bit when we get to the Leeds preview. Uh, From good news to bad news, a uh, disappointing loss for the under-23s in the uh, Steel City Derby this week. Lost 3-1 to United. It's interesting to me. I feel like... They've gotten off to a little bit of a of a rocky start this year after having a lot of success last year. Do we think this is just because like most of the under twenty three stars from last year are currently playing first team football for the big club? I mean, I can't help them. Probably a lot of it. I mean, you look at you look at who's on the bench for us and, and on the first team, and you'd 
I mean, who's who's going to be anchoring that team for the under twenty threes? Then, you know, it's not Kirby, it's not Preston, it's, uh, it's certainly ain't a keeper. And we got George Boyd. Had George Boyd and uh, George Amplified Boyd in there. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the key why they're losing. Isn't Preston. George Boyd like thirty five years old now? Certainly <laughs> <laughs> moves like it. I believe the under eighteens are still undefeated, though. If I have not actually. Uh... Double checked that information. Every time I see highlights of them on YouTube, I'm just struck by like, oh, these are all children, aren't they? Well, the under 18s and you under 23s, so let's uh, forget about under 23s. If, especially if George Boyd's playing for them. <laughs> also, news of note there's going to be additional screen, uh, streaming of the All Wednesday film in Sheffield on the 6th of November. And we are currently, Patty, we can say, working on the logistics for US screenings. Yes, it, it will happen. Um, definitely in Portland, definitely in New York, uh, and we are looking at other places too. Uh, Matt is very kindly going to uh, provide us with the film, um, and we're going to try and do it before 6th of November. Um, he gets back from holiday in the beginning of October. Um, stay tuned, basically, and we'll uh, let you know. Well, if we could find a way to turn south, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you want to do it in uh, Madrid, we'll do it there too, man. Right on. <laughs> I get all the Wednesday ads from from all the Carolinas. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> just just talking about all the Wednesday ads in all the Carolinas. Uh, there was a picture that was doing the rounds on Saturday, um, and it showed about twenty Wednesdays, so at least twenty people wearing Wednesday shirts in the Carolinas. Um, and then there was paddy and i and uh, and a kiwi in new york so um it, it kind of feels like we've uh, we've turned a corner in that the uh the southern states are suddenly significantly outnumbering the uh, the northeast and wednesday nights at the moment yeah which is i mean i find that funny because uh i mean we've only got all oh, about oh, oh i think it's two and a half million people here in charleston and i've got yeah, that wasn't bad wednesday nights <laughs> You definitely had been more fun than us too, by the looks of it. We had, like I said, there was James didn't turn up until the second half, by the way, as well. So it was me, uh, Craig, and the tourist. It was very nice, um, and then one Villa fan who did not say one word to us. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so you had a fantastic meetup um, on Saturday, Tommy. Are all those friends of yours? Uh, most of them. Uh, they they were friends of mine, and I have converted them to the altar of Wednesday. Um, <laughs> Which, and they're uh, no longer friends of yours. <laughs> it's uh, well, it's uh, two of them were coaches, and uh, from how I became a Wednesday, I, I, I started naming all my teams Wednesday once I was, when I was the head coach of uh, a bunch of youth teams, and uh, so everybody just came along with it, and I've kind of made everybody who's got already got a Premier League team their their secondary team is now Wednesday, and as long as it doesn't harm them, they're fine with rooting for Wednesday. So I've I've convinced them to get kits off of eBay and 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 Craigslist and the like, and so they've all they've all jumped on the bandwagon full throttle. <laughs> Is there a vibrant uh, Craigslist Wednesday kit market they didn't know about? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, but yeah, the 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 bartender was wearing the uh, the Chupa Chups jersey. It's a good jersey. That was the from I think it was ninety two. I just think you back that photo now. That was kind of like a catalog of um, past season shirts you were all wearing. <laughs> oh yeah, I think anyone wasn't one matching shirt. You were all wearing different years. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's it's 
they they take what they can get. It's <laughs> <laughs> we love that. I was saying to you earlier on, we like it when the people convert friends to be Wednesday fans. Same with. Did them. I? Yeah. Talk, talking of random people being Wednesday fans, did I, uh, did I tell all of you that I bumped into a guy skateboarding through Manhattan in a Wednesday shirt on Saturday? Yeah, that had no recollection of the New York Owls. So he's not who, my... who, who, <laughs> no so I'm, I'm on my way up to the football factory, as Paddy said. I was running late. And, I, and in my defence, I had a prior engagement, which was to get my kids flu shots. So I missed the first half, you know, doing my uh, my good parenting thing. Then I was running up Fifth Avenue to uh, to get up to, uh, to the football factory. And three skateboarders come charging towards me being filmed. And the first guy kind of whistles past me. The second guy is about to whistle past me. And I realise he's wearing the Wednesday shirt. They kind of, you know, the... Uh, the one from about two seasons ago with the pinstripes. So I sort of, I, I just threw myself in front of him. Like, hey, Wednesday! And the guy looked at me like gone out and then sort of gesticulated about the fact that I screwed up their filming. But it was a guy <laughs> who lives in Brooklyn. He's a Wednesday. I had no idea about um, the fact that we were meeting up that day. So um, random thing, random connections can still happen in America if you're a Wednesday. I. Six years of social media doesn't... See, with uh, the help. amount you post on Facebook, Patty, how is that? <laughs> <laughs> how is there anyone in the five boroughs even remotely aware of Wednesday that doesn't know about us. Well, it's funny that uh, uh, you say that because every time my my family and I vacation in Orlando, uh, pretty much on the regular, and every time that we go down there, I always wear Wednesday kits every time we go to any of the parks. This past year, we just we just got back, and this was the only year that I didn't run into another Wednesday guy. Well, we all down every, at the uh, half watch it Wednesday because that's why we watch it down Wednesday down at the Orlando. It's, uh, it's it's but I still keep in in contact with all the people who I've met who have grabbed me and said, "Why do you have that shirt on?" <laughs> that's good. Yeah, we've had to put a bar up in Orlando because we've had so many people on holiday there asking where um, they can watch the game, and thankfully we found a place. So uh, they're uh, putting up on all the ESPN Plus games now, so that's great. Outstanding. One person not wearing a Wednesday shirt this year is Jordan Rhodes, and shockingly, as soon as he took it off, he's found his goal-scoring form again, bagging a hat trick today, admittedly against Wickham Wanderers. But uh, hey, every little bit helps, theoretically, in terms of selling him in January, James. Absolutely, yeah. We got all the Jordan Rhodes scores is uh, is a hundred thousand more in our pocket, I suppose, something on those lines. But no, in all seriousness, look, I mean, you know. What possible motive could we have to not want Jordan Rose to succeed? I mean, there, there are two options, right? Either Jordan Rose refines his form and he comes back to Wednesday and finally does what we all hoped he was going to do two years ago. Or Jordan Rose refines his form and we sell him for more money than we could sell him for right, right now or certainly in the summer. And we, you know, having recouped some of the costs of his uh, his contract this season, we're able to sell him at a point where the impact on our, uh, our FFP calculation is not so punitive. So, I just say good luck to him. I mean, this is a, you know, he's still a relatively young guy. I want him to have a good career. So it's nice to see him scoring again. Um, I'd love to see him doing it in a Wednesday shirt at some point. But, you know, we're some way off from that. So good for him for banging in a hat-trick against Wickham Wanderers. Another person that one of us would like to see in a Wednesday shirt, Patty, apparently is Gary Cahill. Hey, there's actual rumours now. So I, I think I might have started this rumour, by the way. Uh, but it's in the sun tomorrow, apparently that um, uh, there's rumours about him joining us. So he said this week to um, Chelsea that he wants to leave and fight first-team football. Um, and what, he's 33 now, I think he is. He's a Wednesday fan. People didn't know that. Um, it's always been my kind of, like, back of my mind kind of thinking, 
We should get Gary Cahill when we moved to the Premier League. That was like three years ago when he was still kind of good in the Premier League. As we did, that didn't happen. Why not join us for our championship campaign? <laughs> hold, hold on, Paddy. When you say this rumour is in the sun tomorrow, do you mean the rumour is in the sun that he wants first-team football or the rumour is in the sun that he wants to come and play first-team football at Sheffield Wednesday? It's literally just Paddy's, it's Paddy's tweet embedded in an article. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now at IDK. Um, no, there's rumours in the sun tomorrow about uh, him joining Wednesday in the January transfer window. Right. And and also, how much credence do we give to things that are written on that rag? Well, as we said last week, they got the thing right about the guy being masturbated in the cop. So, um, Again, it was hey. just someone's tweet, though. Not you this time, at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not me being wanked off in the cop. <laughs> Hold on, Gary Cahill was getting wanked off in the cop. <laughs> the sun's got the big scoop tomorrow. No, that's perfect. So we've got compromise on Cahill, which means he's going to come to us in January and shore up our backline. Excellent. That'll do. He could do a job. Well, he's he's from Sheffield, isn't he? I don't know if he's from Sheffield. He's definitely a Wednesday he fan. He's yeah. I don't know what the. I had heard. I had heard via um, uh, another podcast that we were that he was a Wednesday <laughs> fan. So yes, he's he definitely a Wednesday fan, but he, he didn't yeah. like come through the. It's not like a Jamie Vardy situation where he came through the youth team or anything like that, or just from the area. Which uh, which other podcast have you been listening to, Tommy? Is it the uh, is it the uh, the Blades America podcast? Ah, well, well, I, when I told the twins uh, I was going to be a Blades fan, but they wouldn't let me because my parents weren't related. <laughs> <sighs> Speaking of uh, fan bases that might be a little bit off, Leeds come to town this week, James. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, Friday evening kickoff in Sheffield, which means Friday afternoon kickoff for all of us across the state. So yippee for Leeds and their uh, uh, hard to control fans and the fact that we can't play them on a Saturday anymore at 3pm. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they've um, they've had a fair old start to the season, haven't they? Um, things things are suddenly on the up uh, up in uh, in West Yorkshire. Um um, with Bielsa and his uh, his rampaging team, which surged to the top of the league after about two games, um, declared that they won the league, uh, declared that this was their season, um, and then probably performed quite as well as they might have wanted to in the last couple of games. So, you know, maybe it's not going to be absolute smooth sailing for them. Um, in all fairness, he you know he's had a very immediate impact, hasn't he? I mean, he's taken a a reasonably average side from last season. Um, and he's certainly got them playing some very free-flowing, exciting, attacking football at high tempo, which is pretty much what he does in most clubs. Um, what we don't know yet is exactly what he's doing behind the scenes that may spectacularly blow up at any time between now and February before Leeds need to appoint a new manager. So um, let's hope that that happens somewhere on the M1 between Leeds and Sheffield on Friday afternoon, uh, that the team that turns up is a complete uh, shower of shit and we uh, we win 6-0, 6-1. You know, that, that would be nice. I, love I would that. love to destroy their season like that. <laughs> And I love just seeing that Leeds are falling apart again song because I think it's one of the best football songs around. So if that happens um, after losing last week, it's the perfect time to start singing that song in front of all the New York Leeds fans. And if yeah. they could make a substitution at the half and then have that substitute get sent off in the first oh, minute or so of the second half, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> I think we may be going to the kind of you know the extreme of most optimistic possible scenario for for, for Friday afternoon. I well, mean, look, I'm just the reality, 
it's happened before. <laughs> it's, this, this this is true, but I think that you know dreams can come true, but they rarely uh, they rarely happen twice, right? So um, it's probably going to be a pretty tough game, chaps. I mean, uh, you know, in all honesty, Leeds do look like they've got a really good side this season, and Bielsa knows what he's doing. I think it's going to be really interesting to the point we we discussed earlier on. You know, how will he set up? How will Yoss counter with the way he sets Wednesday up? You know, can we nullify their attacking threat? Can our defensive prowess that started to show a little bit on Saturday kind of come back to the fore? Can we can we continue to open up the spaces for our own uh, attacking talent? It could be a really good game, actually, to be honest. Um, you know, I really hope Hector stays in the side. I, th- I think he um, he adds something different to us. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see the way we do set up the the attacking uh, attacking roles. Well. I would just like to point out before we conclude this segment that, uh, as I recall, Wednesday did the double over Leeds last year. That's the thing that happened. We did pretty well against them, you know. I, yeah. I can't remember many times since I've been in New York that we've lost. Maybe lost once, I think. Um, other than that, we've pretty done... I think we've won or drawn pretty much every single game. We lost the game when Jordan Rose missed the penalty, didn't we? Um and, uh, and Chris Wood scored up the other end. That was the way the season we got to the playoffs, right? Before they fell apart. It was right before they fell uh, apart, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was right before they fell apart again. Um, so, yeah, no, you're right, Paddy. I mean, but as we know, records that where we've done well are, are not best talked about on podcasts. Because <laughs> we did that uh, regarding the Nottingham Forest game, and, uh, and look how that turned out. So, um, each, each game as it comes, right? You know, we don't know which Wednesday they're going to turn up. So, let's hope, as I said earlier on, that we start injecting a bit more consistency. Well, my fingers are crossed as I've had a, I've had a couple of people contact me about the meetup, and they say, even though we're not Wednesday fans, can we still come root against Leeds? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> that's the spirit. That's what we want to try and that's, that's our marketing campaign for this week, I think, Tommy. Just come out and root against Leeds. As I think we should have a little Leeds. social media surge on that. You know, just just hateleeds.com or, uh, <laughs> or hashtag we don't like Leeds. I think it could work. Well, where are the meetups for the Leeds game this week, Patty? They are everywhere, mate. Absolutely everywhere. I'm just going to get the list now because I'm going to forget it otherwise. So last week we said earlier on that we had um, six meetups. Uh, this week we have seven meetups. I think it's by far the biggest week we've ever had, part of Isles Americas, and that makes my heart large and beat with beautiful love for all my uh, Wednesday fans across the Americas. Um we have, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, Orlando Bar called the Harp and Kelt. Um, that is in, um, I think it's like it's downtown Orlando. But it's quite close to all the parks and stuff, so it's relatively easy to get to. Uh, of course, we have Portland. That's 11.45 kickoff time, a lunchtime special at the Toffee Club. Uh, you have, of course, New Orleans. Uh, Jamie should have recovered from his hangover from his 50th birthday by then, uh, and he'll be back at Finn McCool's Irish Pub. We have our first ever Los Angeles meetup at a York, what's called the Yorkshire Square Brewery. This place looks amazing. It's in Torrance, which is about 25 minutes from downtown LA. Um, unfortunately, it is a Leeds bar, but hey, you can't have everything. You're going to have Yorkshire-style English beer while watching Wednesday in LA. I mean... Hold on, hold on. What's Yorkshire-style English beer, Paddy? They say the brew like English English bitter in, uh, in California. Well, that's a bit old school. It looks amazing, this place. Is it, do they not brew kind of English-style interpretations on a West Coast IPA? They say they make English beer. I looked at the website earlier on. 
So I am extremely excited about this place. I'm going to visit there next week on the West Coast. What is it so like? Got... Tet- Tetley's Californian style. <laughs> I don't know if got a, I don't There's know like a longboard as opposed to a flake stuck in I just want them to serve something like black sheep or something. That'd be amazing. Anyway, Yorkshire Square Brewery, Torrance, California. Our friend Fran is organising that, and there'll be a few Leeds fans there, so uh, please go and uh, spoil their party. Um, you've also got um, another West Coast meetup in San Francisco. Uh, this week they're at McTeague's Saloon. Again, 11.45 kickoff in the Pacific um, time. And then lastly, last but not least, obviously in New York, you've got us at the Football Factory. Um, I urge you all, because uh, last week we had four meetups, and then a whole group of people uh, piled on afterwards and said that they are also meeting up. So this is what it is right now. Um, and Charleston, obviously, I forgot Charleston. Charleston. You forgot Charleston. Sorry, Tommy. I mean, <laughs> go to Madrua in Somerville, Charleston, um, to meet the our finest pub in all the land. <laughs> So meet Tommy of all, first of all, uh, and uh, even if you just hate Leeds, just go on to Madrua, uh, 2.45 kick off there, uh, so that's seven in total at the at this moment in time. Like I said, last week we had people come to us and say, we're going to a bar in X city, uh, please put on your website, and we did, and by the end of the week we had seven six people, um, seven six cities on the site, so go to oursamericas.com uh, or our Facebook page, and you'll see links to our events there. This has been episode 39 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com, email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com, and find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites Reverend in the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, will you be getting down to any local skate parks this weekend to see if you can drum up some more Wednesdayites for the meetup? uh absolutely yes no probably maybe um i i have got a baseball cap which i can turn around the wrong way around and i have a pair of jeans which are way too big for me um which i could sort of drop somewhere around my my lower buttocks uh, is that is that how, like is that how I'm to <laughs> oh shit i'm only 20 years out of date uh no probably about seven now. years old and I, uh, yeah, I fell off and scraped my knee, and I've not really been back since. So uh, I'm afraid I'm not as uh, as adept as uh, Jeremy, the Brooklyn Wednesday eye, who was tearing through Manhattan on Saturday. Tommy is on Twitter at Pal- Palmetto Owls. Tommy, will you have any uh, any special beers on tap for any Leeds fans that might show up on Friday? Well, um, we do have a uh, Blood Orange Goza. Because it's so bitter, I'm sure that Leeds fans would love it. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter, at Patty A. Jones, and at New York Owls. Patty, can you give the, uh, the listenership just a, a little bit of insight, maybe a, a slice of life, an anecdote from uh, what the atmosphere is like at Football Factory for the Leeds Wednesday games? Uh, it's great, um, because despite them being Leeds fans... Um, I do actually like playing 
Leeds in New York because we get on reasonably well. There's always a bit of bit of banter back and forth. Um, the 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 one of the six we made from 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 years ago is when we beat them six nil, um, and we were obviously going nuts in the football factory. If you've been to the football factory, we were basically taking up the entire side of one part of it. So there was about 60, 70 people between us, Leeds and Wednesday. And obviously we won 6-0. We were doing Jagermeisters at like quarter to eight in the morning. Uh, it was nuts. Um, but after all that, um, the Chelsea fans started spilling in. The story I was going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> the Chelsea fans started spilling in. And after all the the, the shit that they that they got they took from us throughout the six nil, we just kind of united as one big Yorkshire and just started shouting at the Chelsea fans for about ninety minutes through their game, and they had no idea who on earth Leeds or Sheffield Wednesday were because they're all American Chelsea fans, and why would they? But that was that was me kind of sums up the, the the spirit of the football factory. We can kind of have a bit of banter back and forth, but we can also gang up on some unsuspecting glory fans as well. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. And we'll see you back here, even the glory fans, next week. <laughs>